Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Without further ado, uh, Joanna Stein. It was too short of a walk. Um, Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming. I am so excited to be here for Danny. We've known each other a very long time, uh, since 1942. 97. No, since 97. So we have a lot to catch up on. We're going to. uh, And we have a lot to talk about. Um, But first, uh, what we're going to do is Danny is going to read a selection from her book. Fantastic. And then we're going to have a bit of a conversation. And then there will be some more reading that you will enjoy very much. Uh, And I'm going to introduce my friend Danny. Danny Klein-Modison. She's been working in the comedy world for the past 20 years. I, I've been, uh, I've seen all of it too. It's fantastic. For the past 20 years as both a writer and performer, she created and produced several live shows, notably Afterbirth, stories you won't read in a parenting magazine, which ran for 10 years in Los Angeles and several major U.S. cities. A fantastic show, by the way, if you haven't seen it. I'm going to try to get you to remount it because I miss it. Uh, Danny's also written and produced a variety of online video content, including a series for Deepak Chopra. Heard of him? Yes. And a short video titled Take My Spouse, Please, which can be found online at the New York Times. Also, I've heard of that. Um, Danny's also the editor of the anthology Afterbirth, Stories You Won't Read in a Parenting Magazine, St. Martin's Press. I'm sure it's here, and it's fantastic. Uh, Her writing's been featured in the New York Times, the LA Times Parents Magazine, LA Parent Magazine, and the Huffington Post. She is a regular contributor to Mom.me, where she has an ongoing column called Mistake of the Week. Uh, And she lives in Los Angeles with that man over there, her husband Todd, and her amazing sons, and I'm not exaggerating. <clears throat> They're not human. They're really cool. They're so amazing. Uh, Gabriel and Gideon, without further ado, I would like to introduce Danny klein Modisette. Wow. Joanna Stein. Wow, that was an impressive introduction. Who is that woman? No, that was great. Apparently, I can't, after all these years, function a microphone. I'm going to use this one. Um, so just because, um, thank you all for coming. I don't know, do I need this microphone? Are we at an arena? Um, but, um, but, uh, but I'll use it because it'll make it seem fancy if I can get it to work. Okay. Um, so just because we haven't even talked about what the book is. So the book is about laughter and marriage, the importance of laughter in, uh, laughing in marriage for the long haul. And it's, uh, based on... The spine of it is a course that I taught at UCLA for almost 10 years in stand-up comedy. So it takes all of the rules of comedy and stand-up and sees how they can be used in a marriage so that you laugh more and have more fun. And interspersed are interviews with amazing couples that I had the good fortune to be able to meet with, married anywhere from 14 to 14, they're in it, uh, to like 65 years. And so that includes Jerry Stiller and Patricia Heaton and a bunch of Emmy-winning comics just because I live here and I had access to them. And many of them were in the Afterbirth show and they were couples who laughed together and that's part of what inspired me to write this book in the first place. 
that and the very dark night of the marital soul. Um, okay. <laughs> and, I, and, and I can laugh about it in front of my husband. See, so we're like testimony to the book. Okay, so this is uh, uh, a chapter called Know Your Audience. It's a comedian's tool. And, um, and it, interestingly, applies to your spouse. And I have my trusty friend out there telling me that I'm a little bunched. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really need some help with this thing. Okay. I need a stylist, but I need them actually to stand next to me. It's not even an at-home situation. Okay. But now I will be a professional. It's been an interesting journey to uh, marry, no pun intended, the uh, concept of being a comedian and also being an authority on something. I would say that is has been the biggest challenge of writing this, not that that question came up yet, but if anybody was going to ask that question later, I will, I will nip it right now and tell you that was the big challenge, being funny and also sounding like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. And I can say fuck, I heard, I, they said that I could. Um, okay, so here we go. Uh, know your audience. Paying attention to details about people makes them feel loved. I fell in love with the right person, a person I know and who knows me. That's a quote from Billy Crystal. Okay. Uh, in August of 1992, I landed in Guam. A friend of mine had had to drop out of a show sponsored by Miller Lite Beer, and she had recommended me for the gig. I would be the opener for Bernie McGrenahan, a successful road comic, in a show at the Weston Hotel. I met with the producers. They wanted a woman and needed someone quick. By then, I had been doing stand-up for a few years, and I had three qualities that show producers who are up against the wall love. I was eager, available, and cheap. I got the job. I had never been to the South Pacific, although my father had been stationed in Guam at one point in his army days. In the few days before I left, I spent some time learning a little bit about the island and its people so I could get a sense of what the audience might like. The morning of the flight, I folded my futon back to the couch position, threw my dad's silver army dog tags around my neck, got a ride to LAX, and boarded a very crowded plane to Hawaii. In Maui, I stared at wet coconut trees through the glass of the airport atrium and waited for the decidedly smaller plane that would take me to Guam. When I got to the hotel, which was also where the show would take place, I went looking for Bernie to introduce myself. I found his room, and like many comics I worked with on the road, he answered the door with a towel around his waist. Oh, sorry to bother you. I I can come back. It's fine. What's up? He asked, his hand on his hip, drawing attention to his tanned and tattooed physique. Oh, I'm Danny. I'm opening for you, I said. Good to know, he said. Um, okay, I said, awkwardly. Uh, See you later, then. I left, walking backward, tripping over a copy of the Pacific Daily News, which I immediately picked up. I wanted up-to-date information about the crowd I'd be playing to. The amount of mileage a stand-up comic can get out of one or two specific references to an audience's town, a local politician, or some recent news event is worth the time it takes to learn about it. The next morning, I went down to the beach to swim where I ran into Bernie, lying out on the towel he'd previously been wearing. Before running into the bluest water I'd ever seen in person, I pulled out my Pacific Daily News. I brought a pad with me and was taking notes. What are you doing? Bernie asked, squinting at me. Looking for material, I said. Yeah, that's funny, because I come to gigs with my jokes already written. Ooh, me too, just, you know, checking things out, I said, hiding my blushing face behind the paper. Within the first five pages, I found out about construction causing 
crazy traffic on the island, and a drug scandal that had just broken involving a local politician, Governor Ada. Found art. That night I walked on stage, did my standard opening bit about having a boy's name and how people always asked me if my parents wanted boys, and then I moved on to the local fair. Who here tonight is high, I asked, adjusting the microphone. The room was quiet except for one or two woohoos. Only a few of you. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's a Miller Lite-sponsored show. You're not going to brag about your drugs. <laughs> Plus, it must be harder to find the good stuff since Ada's controlling it. It was very funny in the moment. <laughs> you are not Guamese, but that was <laughs> crazy. There were a few, oh, no, she didn't type reactions, and then the room erupted with laughter. I then brought up the traffic problem. You have insane traffic here. It took me 40 minutes just to get her from my hotel room on the fourth floor. <laughs> Another crazy eruption of laughter. Now, that one was a little corny. That was a little corny, I'll say. It was a corny. But, uh, okay. <laughs> I was a young comic. Uh, the audience... <laughs> See, don't you wish I could sit with you at home and read it to you and tell you all the jokes that could have used one more draft? Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, the audience's appreciation that I knew uh, what was going on with them and had the moxie to make fun of it was exactly what I needed to break the ice. I have used this tool of learning as much as I can about the audience I am playing to my entire career. Whether I'm prepping for a law firm roast, a school fundraiser, or an afterbirth show in a new city, I always take the time to find out as many details as I can about the people I will be entertaining. There's a term for this in comedy, knowing your audience. It might seem obvious, but this rule of comedy is remarkably effective in long-term marriages, too. There is something about a person saying, I see you, be it a comic with their audience or your spouse sitting across from you at dinner, that draws you in and makes you feel valued. Talking to a well-known comedian recently about her marriage, I was hoping she'd have some great gems for me about how being funny is such an asset to her marriage. She flat-out shut me down. My husband is very private, so I can't contribute to your research, but thank you so much for asking, and yes, laughing matters. Despite my disappointment of not extracting some fantastic inside secret, she couldn't have given me a better answer. Sure, it would have been more titillating to learn that she swings from a rope on a swing and a G-string, reciting old Woody Allen routines in the bedroom, but practically speaking, for a marriage built on mutual respect, this is the perfect response. She knows her husband the way a smart comedian knows their audience, presumably even more so, and acts accordingly, which is different than pandering to him. She's not compromising her own integrity by not revealing details details of her marriage publicly. She is responding appropriately and respecting her husband. Knowing your audience also helps you avoid alienating and or insulting them. (laughs) I think that's funny. It's just like reading it for the first time. Uh, It it allows you to be sensitive and responsive to the situation, so you set yourself up to be successful. You can do the same thing in marriage by making an effort to know your husband or wife and taking actions that reflect this knowledge. And then, as with every chapter, it goes on to give you examples of couples who do this really effectively and with a lot of fun. So that's that. And now, thank you, thank you. So let's bring Joanna back. Mary, how many years are you married, Joanna? We are married, I got to get this right, 13 years, right? Oh, two. Yep. So, 
Oh wow, us two. Oh right, we got and we got married months apart from each months other. Months apart, really? It, uh, we went to each other's weddings. We right? did. We did. Yours this was is... a wonderful affair. Oh, and so was yours. Thank I you remember. so much. Had an outdoor, lots of dancing, dancing. Yours too. Yours was very classy. Yes, well, ours was thank more you. cash, but both, but fun, terrific. <laughs> Wish you all could have been there. <laughs> and um, sometimes when we go to stores, people think we're sisters. So yes. there's that too. Yeah. Okay. That Getting wasn't a bonus. as interesting as the wedding stuff. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we can relive the wedding story if you wish um so what i've not i've read the book it's brand new so you guys haven't had the benefit of it but it is it is fantastic and i am a big fan of danny's right you know i, I am you. we know each other we're friends all that but i was really so pleasantly surprised you know how it is people <laughs> give you their stuff and you're like dear god i hope it's good i don't want this to be the wedge I don't want to have to lie, the whatever. The final blow was and, no talent. And we even, we talked a lot about this when you were working on it from the very beginning. And I'm, yeah. you know, and I was really uh, so pleasantly, wonderfully surprised at the tone of the book that you were able to straddle. Because this really, you know, I write goofy, sophomoric humor. Highly entertaining. Thank you. But it's it's not for grown up. I mean, it is, but it's, it's silly. But what amazed me is that you take a pretty serious topic and you're serious about investigating it and doing a lot of real research. And yet I was laughing all the way through it at your self-deprecating. She really reveals a lot. Todd, you deserve Yes. Uh, uh, Every you're, you're person that's read man. the book says this to me: "Your husband is very brave." But in it, uh, but I, but and I appreciate. I mean, I think it's it's fantastic. And you don't reveal anything that's horrifying by any means. No. But you tell very personal stories in a funny way. You also share some really fantastic comments from famous comedians. You, you know, and I, and and yet you're talking to real, real psychologists. You're talking to rabbis and priests, and you're getting a really full picture. And yet, it's still really funny. So, brava. Buy the Thank book, you. you guys. It's really great. And I Thank would say, you. whether you. you're married or you want to be married or you want to have a good relationship, I mean, really, it's, let's open it up. It, in a lot of ways, it's about having a good relationship in, with anybody, specifically in marriage, yes. But there's a lot of good uh, to be gleaned from it. Thank you so much. So that's it for our talk. No. Um, so here's, what, here's my first question, and, and this is in the book, but I, I want you to talk a little bit about what inspired you to write this book, because your last book is an anthology of comedy. You come from the world of comedy. You do talk personally about it, but this is really, you're really digging into a topic. So will you talk about... Why? Why this topic? Yes, so I alluded to it earlier about the dark night of the marital soul. Um, We had come to, we had a 10-year anniversary that was really bleak. And I, you know, it's interesting, but he's smiling because it was, it it has now become a funny story. But we were at, uh, and I'm sure it was cumulative, but we were at the... (laughs) I can say this here. Okay, I won't say the name of the hotel. Say it sounds with core reasons. <laughs> and it was it was in Westlake Village in a strip mall. I mean, it was really bleak. And uh, we were really struggling. And then we had had this really big fight. And then I thought, which I thought, like, I thought, you know, people always say, say to you when you're a stand-up comic, they say, oh, stand-up comic, that's the hardest thing in the world. I could never do that. That's the hardest thing in the world. And I was, like, curled up in the fetal position thinking, not, I think marriage might be a little harder. I, you know, I don't think, that, you know, stand-up, like, it's over in an hour. And, <laughs> you know, you go sleep with, like, I didn't 
it's fine. I mean, stand up was hard, but not like marriage. Like, and I really couldn't. I wasn't good at. I was realizing that I just wasn't good at it. I mean, I think you can be married, and the distinction that I make here is, you know, happily married, right? Like people can stay married, but the goal here was happily married, and we were not hitting that goal. Um, hi. Um, and so, uh, so I thought about that, and then I remember, you know, then I knew I had taught this course for t- almost ten years at UCLA in the extension program in stand-up, and I thought, well, maybe I should just go look at that. I mean, that was the hardest thing in the world to do. So maybe some of those things uh, are applicable. And I literally got out my syllabus and I started to go through it, and it was kind of crazy. It was like that Oprah aha thing where you're like, oh, this is insane. Like every single thing here um, is is valuable for perseverance in a long-term relationship. Showing up, paying attention to timing, letting go of a bad night. I mean, even wardrobe, paying attention to image, which, mm-hmm. you know, is, was a whole surprising journey uh, in researching. But, because uh, it's much weightier than you think. I thought that was going to be like the throwaway chapter, and it turns out it really matters in couples. I'm just a little clue. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, it made me really... Uh, start to think, oh, wow, I should dig into this further. So I wrote an article for the Huffington Post, and it was called, I think they called it, 14 Things I Learned Being a Comic That Helped Me Stay Married, or some, you know, BuzzFeed some list. type. Yeah, yeah listicle. Uh-huh. Sure. And, um, and then from there, you know, I decided to dig in further, and I wrote this incredibly comprehensive, you better fucking buy this book proposal. Um, <laughs> Dear. Because I was desperate, because my little one was going to off to school and, and, and I knew that I, there would be a big void, and I was terrified of that void. So it all was kind of, I think the word would be synergistic mm, here in California. Mm-hmm, very Los Angeles. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It was like, Great. it was very Los Angeles. Great. And it all worked, and uh, be careful what you put in a proposal well, what, for the writers in the room. It's a lot. Why do you say that? Because you, because, because oh, I Lord, promise. now I have to do it. Right. And, and what I, was it? What was the daunting part after? I mean, what, okay. what daunted you about it in the <laughs> uh, beginning? Transcription skills, uh, getting like oh, a actually pedal, sitting, actually like, sitting down to because you for the first time ever you really you turned into a journalist. You were yes. you're not a journalist, right? No, I mean, now you are. Now I am. Now uh, I am. an I entirely different skill. Now, but yeah, but I uh, at the time, you know, I I didn't know I would bit off a lot, and I'm thrilled. It was a wonderful challenge. I met amazing. <laughs> These amazingly inspiring couples, some of whom are here today. I was just walked in. There were there. Yeah. And, so was um, he. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it and but you know, figuring out how to integrate um, actual quotes and all of those were all new skills. And as I said, to keep it entertaining and funny because that was people always ask about Todd and how he puts up with it and, <laughs> and puts up, puts with, up me. with being written about. Yeah, and all Del- of it. Del- and Del- his Del- thing is like, it better be funny. Like, don't be boring. So, right. you know, there's a lot of pressure. Was there, <laughs> is there anything, uh, this was, I was going to ask this later, but is there, and please don't talk about it if there is, but is there anything you wrote about and he said, don't, don't dare write about this? Um, the only thing was a friend <laughs> and it, it was too identifiable. And, oh, you know, okay. and that's another thing you have to respect. You know, there were people I interviewed, interestingly, and I don't know why this occurred, but we would have a comprehensive, like, five-hour interview, and at the end, and I have to say it was usually the husband, who was usually between 70 and 80, and he'd say, <laughs> that's uh, fantastic. Do you have, uh, is this going to ever get published? Do you, are you going to publish this? And I was like, dude, like, this is getting published. Like, 
Yes. And and so then they would call, like one person called six months later and said, you know, I really can't have you publicly. We didn't real. it's like, hello, I, I would say into a recorder, and now I am recording so-and-so for my book for Shambhala. Like I was very, you know, legally you have to do all that stuff. But I, there was something that where they kind of didn't, they just, I mean, for an 80-year-old man, I'm kind of a cute young girl. And so they just didn't get it. They were just like, oh, so, oh your mom, is this for your Girl Scouts badges? Right. Um, so, um, yeah. so that was the only thing that, yeah, there were a couple of people that were kind of uh, shocked at how much they had revealed. Yes. But I was always very sensitive about it. So there were a couple of things. One of the things I learned journalistically is that I did have to change some names. I had to go in and say, the compromise will be that I will make you anonymous. So some couples are anonymous, and it's noted, um, the couples that are anonymous and mm-hmm. the ones that are the real deal. Right. Yeah. So. Um, Todd is it, the real Todd. He's the, that is the actual <laughs> That's Todd. the real Todd, yeah. Brave, <laughs> a brave man. Yes. Um, I, now, when you, when you set out to write the book, yeah. who was your intended? Who did you hope would read it? <laughs> like, who's your, ideal, who's, your, who's your ideal reader? And are they, you know, in the stacks right now? My ideal readers this are all here. They're all people. <laughs> no, I mean that truthfully. I mean, um, I think I wrote it initially for people just like me, or maybe a little happier than me, um, but <laughs> the, who were the earlier you, yeah. who, who were in a marriage and were. It's look. If you're ready to divorce. This is not your book. Because, like, right. you, it's nothing fucking funny at that point, you know? Right. But right. if you're, like, just trying to figure it out, to be happier, to figure out what, where was the magic? Didn't we used to have fun? What the heck? Then this is, you know, this is definitely helpful. I mean, I can say that from personal experience. Because every chapter that I researched, you know, we were in it. And um, and it all it just it all works. I mean, you know, I, I, I I'm a little superstitious. Like you don't want to say well, it all works, and then <laughs> right. Todd leaves me tonight to go see his girlfriend, <laughs> and that's why it works. <laughs> he no. slipped out the back door <laughs> before the snacks. Um, you yeah. know, you don't want to tempt fate, but uh, or whatever the expression would be. But um, but it's to, it's to be helpful. Now, subsequently to it coming out, there's a big kind of interest from the wedding community, you know, from people who are getting married, because mm. why not have it? Why yes. not have it as a blueprint with all these inspiring couples to more just showed up? Um, and uh, and learn, you know, I made a point of making sure that people could learn from real couples who right. had... Because when you get married, yes, as you did in 2002 and I did, yes. it was, our, our futures were set. It was perfection. Nothing, it was going to be easy. The hard part, finding the dude was over. The finding right? the dude part, yes. So that's what, I mean, I, I love this. In my mind, this is for people who are getting married and thinking, that's it. I've, I've scaled it. Right. I've scaled Everest. I'm just going to hang right. out here now and we're eat my bonbons. Yeah. Right. But that's when, you know, there, there was, there's a, I don't know that you say specifically, um, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of chapters that really hit, there's hit a lot me, of dense, home. it's been referred to as dense. And I mean, we're in the timing chapter. Okay. Yes. They are in the timing chapter because timing greatly affected their, you'll have uh, to read, I'm not going to go through it, people. You got to read. <laughs> she put it way better than I could ever put it. But there's a lot of things that you address a lot of tiny little nuggets of, you know, oh, uh, never go to bed mad, right? 
That's that's one. I didn't even, I didn't even remember if you talked specifically about that. But that's that lives in the Mike. You she talks about timing, the macro timing, yes. which affected our lives. You know, we right. A big so I thing should clarify happened. that. I should yes. cut you off. Cut me off. And Do I it. should totally. I was babbling. Go. No, because you said macro <laughs> before we set up the whole. So That's um, right. in the timing, you know, the uh, paying attention to timing, I steal from kind of economics, business school vernacular of micro and macro timing. Mm-hmm. So on the micro level, that would be like, don't talk about taxes during The Walking Dead. Perhaps right. If that's someone a, and that's great, yeah, right. that's a great if someone lesson. is interested in The Walking Dead, don't decide then to discuss private or public school because right. it's going to be too. It's not going to go well. Yeah, um, but <laughs> that would not be funny. Right now, hi. Um, but then there's kind of the macro timing, which are the bigger issues of when to buy a house, when to decide right. to try to have a kid, when to go on vacation is even somewhat of a macro issue. And mm-hmm. um, and then the even bigger one, which really was very moving to me, is this idea of where you where we fall as couples in history. Yeah. And that became really clear uh, and uh, very moving with respect to the gay couples that, that I interviewed. Because I have several gay couples married a very long time, or together a very long time, 40 years, and you know, and um, and so to understand that because of where they fell in American history, the fabric of their relationship has been affected by that. And, you know, couples today, and it's, it's so timely because right now, you know... Gay couples today. Gay, yeah, right. Right. Like, my sons, tw- you know, those kids who are gay are not going to be in the closet, God willing, are not going to be in the closet and roommates and have all this kind of shame in their history as a couple. Mm-hmm. And... It, now, the payoff of that, if there is any, is that the gay couples that I met are the most romantic and the most appreciative, the long-term ones, because they struggled and they really persevered, and it's so beautiful to witness. So that's the other thing about kind of where we fall in history, in with the, just the other piece of the timing yes. issue. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, and, oh, what I was saying was, what I appreciate is that you question a lot of of uh, you know things like don't go to bed mad right like that's that's one for me that fits in I I was sort of ruminating on the timing chapter that one works for me you know what I I actually do go to bed mad because in my world of you know timing when I'm tired not that we ever fight you guys <laughs> but um, you know that one applies to me because that's bad that's bad timing to me is to, at 1 a.m. if I'm uh, about something which I never am but if I am I, I, it's actually much better for me to go to sleep and wake up in the morning having slept on something realize oh, well, that I'm absolutely. a jerk I, and I, <laughs> and I, I have no bearing whatever I was angry about so it, yeah it's so interesting because I don't actually think I say in you the don't. book, don't go to bed mad. You don't. But that, oh, okay. I, guess, I guess what I, what I was <laughs> getting at. I don't think I say that. I was, you weren't. Ta- you weren't. But, but, I, I, but yeah. you have really, you brought up a lot of, it brought up a lot of feelings oh, in see. me. A lot of, you know, I just really found just myself. awareness about timing in general. Yes. And that's the other thing. Like I, uh, I had this interview with Mary Lou Henner the other day. And it was great. That, that was me like being embarrassed that I dropped a name and a name from 1975. But Taxi, the point is seriously, that no. she's the most most amazing looking 60 something person I've ever seen like I I had to like get over how her physical form um, <laughs> but what was interesting is she read the book cover to cover and memorized it 
Because she has that she gift. Has, yeah. yeah, right? So she's like citing things in the interview. And she and her husband the night before read the chapter on wardrobe. Yeah. And had a whole, mm-hmm. she said, you know, and we had a whole conversation. And apparently my husband doesn't like that I wear black. And mm. that was... That, when you ask, like, who's the book for? Boom. That's it. Like, if <laughs> Mary Lanner. Mary, yes. Mary Lanner and her photographic memory. No, if you've been married, like, I don't know, they've right. been married at least 15, 12 to 15, whatever. They've never had a conversation I about know. wardrobe. So if it stimulates a conversation, then it's so worth it. Because why not bring, again, it's about, like, bringing kind yes. of the magic, the exactly. light. It's not, for, it's not someone who's headed for the divorce court. Oh. But, yes, it, but it is headed for, it is great for people who, are maybe getting complacent, maybe having, uh, I'm a little, uh, this okay. isn't what I yeah, but signed up for. But here's the interesting thing about divor- the divorce piece, <laughs> because I interviewed Laura Wasser, who's the big divorce attorney in town, uh, like, you know, Arnold and all the big divorces. And she, <laughs> uh, and she talked about also the need for a sense of humor in divorce and that oh, she uh, counsels people and tries to have them kind of remember shared good times when they're divorcing that's so your, that they can have a sense of humor. That's the follow-up book, by the way. That's yeah, your next uh, proposal. Uh, yeah, right. For yeah. Um, Consciously, <laughs> unconsciously, <laughs> right. joyfully, happily, uncoupling. Um, no. Now, so we talked a little bit about what the biggest surprise, you know, going through all of this research and really how many, I, you, you talked to a lot of people, hours and hours, hours I'm and sure. hours. And I had transcription, uh, I had a pedal <laughs> and I had to <laughs> learn how school. to do, I could be a stenographer yep. now. Good to have backup. What no. did you, what really, um, boggled your mind? No, okay, not, not, in the, not in the, not, not specifically about a couple, but no, no, not, came to, no, not came a couple, to the but four. two things I would say were mind boggling. Number one, a You do not have to say the first thought that comes into your head. (laughs) Revelation. A lot of nods. Like that was, and especially as a comedian, you know, where that's what you're paid for as a stand-up is to like say that impulsive, crazy thing that, you know, no one has the guts to say. I don't know why that wouldn't work in a marriage. (laughs) Um, And... (laughs) And uh, and so that was a big adjustment and a big, you know, a lot of the long timers talked about that. Like, you know, yes, oh, yes. when you when you say something. Right. Right. Timing. Exactly. Thank you. Well, you Melissa. Do, married you, a very long time. Happily. Also referenced in the book anonymously, I believe. Um, you, don't you have three? <laughs> yes, I think so. you have three. Don't you know, does this need to be said? Right. Oh, right. Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said now? Does it need to be said by me? So the three, the yeah, three and I didn't actually. make that up, but I don't, I couldn't, I don't know. I think I heard it in like a twelve-step meeting, but I, <laughs> but uh, but I, so I don't take credit for it. But um, but you know, again, there's a lot of stuff in here that's an aggregation of insight and wisdom that I don't claim to be my own. Some of it is my own, my goodness. But uh, you do very, but. you're very thorough with the footnotes. I'll well, say you're you. a very, very serious writer. editor. Yeah. I had an editor who had very little sense of humor, ladies and gentlemen, and that was a lovely marriage to me because she was always pushing me. It's interesting that you noted that, you know, it's so kind of deeper and more research. That was her yeah. whole thing. Anytime I'd kind of do a little joke, she'd be like, why don't you say more about that and do some research? Well, that's what makes it, that's what honestly <laughs> sets it apart from just a goofy the goofy no, it was totally comedy book it. about like you know this is funny this happened to me and my husband <laughs> this is not that that's no. my book that's no. what it would be 
Uh, no, it, you know, yeah. you, you t- there's a book that you talk about. I said to you, that's, that was my book. That was the book. Oh, Harville Hendricks. Harville Hendricks. Yeah. Keeping the love you find or getting the love you ca- I can't keep them. <laughs> exactly. The titles are terrible. Um, goodbye. <laughs> um, in fact, talk about the title for a second. I'm just, I was oh, just get curious. Was it like that was that automatically no, the title? No, there were a lot of other titles and I don't even remember them now. I don't, but there was a, it was a brainstormed list and, um, this was always my favorite, and uh, it, but it's always that way with book titles. I, I, it was the same thing with after compromise. Yeah, and um, right. and then they finally came back around. And so the title is obviously from a Henny Youngman joke. Take my wife, please. And what's fascinating about that is they were married for sixty some odd years, and or maybe fifty some odd years. I should know that statistic, but in any event, um, it came because she was going to see his show. She didn't have tickets. She ran backstage. He had like a very good relationship with the ushers because he paid them off in order for them to take care of him and uh, and he was just said take my wife please and then that became the joke and what's really interesting is that his material he made so much relentless fun of her right. and um, and she was clamoring for tickets like that was just part of I guess that that was okay for them you know so I, I like that and that was the thing too is that I'm not sitting in judgment of anybody's deal it was it's more here's here's an example like the best illustration of whatever specifically i'm talking about in a chapter i just present to you the best illustration of that in a happy couple so mm-hmm. um yeah so that's that um i want to talk about humor we're both humorists if i may it's a topic that i actually i mean i, I could talk forever about it because i do find it it's kind of a religion to me. It's a, yes. It's a, re- a yes. religious approach. Yes. And I, I kind of just want to hear your, because it is for you too. Yes. When you, when you uh, started after birth, I, I, I think it came from a, a place that wasn't just, I'm going to put on a funny show. No. Will you talk a bit about what, no. what humor is to you personally and, a, and as a creative person, as a writer, why humor? Yeah, that's such a great question. Thank um, you. You're welcome. Um, I uh, went to New York and did this event recently where I had to present to like 400 organizations from around the country and talk about, and, and they had all been given the book, so I didn't have to talk about the book. I had to talk about this specifically. Like, And um, it was really high-end, like New York Times best-selling authors and serious people, and I was getting more and more nervous and thought I was going to throw up. And then I finally just, you know, came in from the other end and said, you know what, this is a crazy group of people, impressive, and, and you know, here's what I do. I uh, take funny, I uh, take sad, and then I make it funny. That's what I do. And, you know, that's why I wrote a book about marriage. And then it got a big laugh because everyone was so tense that, you know, from all this intellect. But that that mostly describes, so I, and that is the truth. So I believe that when we laugh together, it creates a connection and a sense of community. And so that has always been my um, mission from when I was little. I just really love that moment when we're la- We can have nothing else in common, but if we laugh at the same thing, in that moment, we've made a connection. And um, that has tremendous value. Creating community, helping people to feel less alone in whatever painful struggle they're in, whether it's the first week of having a baby. I also did a show about eating disorders I traveled with for a year. And Marcy, one, somebody here toured with me. Um, and that was called Tooth because that was really funny anorexia and bulimia humor really funny we killed 
<laughs> and so I like to take on, I wrote a story about a show about my father's death, you know, cause like, I just like to take the really dark stuff of life and, uh, find a way to create laughter so people can feel that release. Well, and yeah, that yeah, sense you of can belonging. breathe. You can yeah. breathe. Yeah. 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 That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. Opens it up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, to me, it really is a, I, the feeling of laughing so hard that I'm crying to me is a religious experience. Like I can't, there's nothing feels better than that. And people who can make me laugh that hard, yeah. that's an, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful gift. And you know, I'm, I, yes. Uh, so thank you for that, oh. for, uh, for doing that on, you know, with a topic that most people treat very seriously. Right. Right. Um, will you also talk about humor in the confines of America because you're very funny Todd's very funny I, I could imagine that it would be but a bing every night with you guys will you talk about what's uh, is it- you would be imagining wrong Joanna <laughs> do you have a drummer playing rim shots in your kitchen or what, what is it what is no, I have a drummer in my kitchen but he's not drumming <laughs> not anything, a- no. uh, what is the how do you know how do you guys uh, within your relationship, what is fair game humor-wise? Is everything fair game? No, and and I think that that's a great another great point by Joanna Stein. Thank um, you. Because there is different types of humor, and I think there's a danger in thinking, well, everything's funny, just it's funny. Um, and it, there isn't. There's actually you know something they call affiliative humor, which creates perspective and is helpful to the person and uh, is creates connection. And then you know that kind of angry, sarcastic, mean spirited humor that's not very helpful in a marriage right so i think that a lot of people you know, i think have struggle with that i would yeah, say like yeah. i feel like guys that i dated before my perfect husband <laughs> would not wouldn't get that they'd be like well that's that's a funny thing that right. uh that someone on the sunset uh, strip would say and they you know i'd, I'd pay two drink minimum to hear that you will right. Yeah, but now I'm crying. I'm in the fetal position. <laughs> right. We're not going to have sex later, so it didn't work. So I guess that wasn't a yeah. good... Um, so no. thank you for that distinction. Yeah, there yeah is. there's a distinction there. And, you know, and I do talk about that. And it book, comes... But. Yeah, and, and I mean, it really comes down to knowing your audience, which yeah. is another... And knowing the moment, other being fully present in the moment, you know, being current, being in the moment, uh, listening. I mean, chapter two is listening. You know, if you're really listening... Uh, you will know what's appropriate and what's not. And if you don't, and, you know, when you're kind of struggling through in the beginning as a couple, figuring all that out, it's on the other person to say, you know what, that crossed the line, I just didn't think that was funny. Like, not right now. Like being so, an honest audience. Yeah, not so it's, applauding. you know, it's such a courageous act, I think, being married and staying married. It takes so much courage to keep doing it that, um, because that's a courageous thing to say, you know what, that... Like, no, that didn't feel good, so, you know, or not right now, or, you know. It's hard. It's very humbling. Yes. Yes. But, and especially when you're led to believe this is, it, it's natural. <laughs> it's a natural, easy, easeful state of being. Yeah. Which we're uh, getting very depressed. I see what's happening. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling um, depressed. And it's their anniversary right here. How many years? How many years? 17? What? 17 uh, congratulations. years. Yay! <laughs> and they're here. And they're both very funny. And very stretchy. 
What? We know them from the Y. They're very, they're very stretchy. Was, well, good for you. Gold, Goldie's like, I'm not like you people. I don't talk about every little thing that comes into my brain publicly. So. <laughs> um, I have, here's an, here's a, uh, I, one last question. And yes. then if anybody has any comments, questions, statements, uh, gifts they would like to buy. Yeah. Um, of the things that you learned from interviewing everybody, yeah, what what has impacted you most now in your marriage? Is there one? Well, like I give said, me three. That, if there's three, okay, but no like, more. The, okay, no more. <laughs> one, no. two, or three. The big one was um, don't say the first thing in your brain. Like mm. you know, like like think before you uh, speak. Uh, it was said to me, you know, you'll never regret what you didn't say. You'll only regret what you said. So that's that. That was huge. Um, showing up, you know, the first chapter is showing up, and like just show up, just show up when you don't want. I mean, that. What was, does that mean? Will you? Will you? Yes. So well, I. You know, for me, this was a big epiphany of marriage. I do. I. I, I didn't meet Todd until I was thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-six. I was there in that range, and I'd been on my own and on the road, and like I did whatever I wanted, and so it was. Uh, I didn't understand the concept of showing up for someone else. And I talk about this in that chapter that there was an experience with a friend of his and a dinner and the wife didn't go to the dinner and he was, Todd was so upset. And I really didn't know what he was upset about. I was like, she didn't want to go. What's the problem? <laughs> and, uh, and that was kind of the beginning of me realizing, oh, you just have to show up for shit. Like, mm-hmm. it's Even not if always Maybe gonna... you don't want to. Yeah. The, and maybe right, you don't right. want to. And, right. you know, you do it anyway. Right. Um, and then I think... God, okay, so the first word that just came to my mind was sex. So because, <laughs> was sex, you know, was like have sex. That's right. another thing. Like, the children you know, Even if they are. Like, the yeah. Europeans would say it in front of the children. Um, I, <laughs> I think that, you know, you have to have sex. Right. You have to have sex. It's like that's a connection and... Um, and intimacy. Int- okay, yes. yes. Sure, yeah, That's yeah. the more sophisticated... Well, you do talk that. a lot about sex and I... And I have a whole it, chapter on it. And it's great. It's really, it's fun. I mean, sex is great. But the chapter's great. Uh, Um, Because basically what I say is, you know, uh, sex is to marriage what jokes are to a comedy audience. Like, without it, the natives get restless. You can ramble on with your story with no punchlines, and the audience will put up with it for, like, two or three minutes, and then they want a joke. And, you know, you can go along in a marriage for... I don't know. I've heard crazy amounts of time. But, uh, you know, like don't. What? Oh, right. you mean without right. doing like, chapter. Hmm. Exactly. Okay. It's not a good idea. No, no. No. So I'm a big proponent of that. And uh, and then I guess the other interesting thing is I set out to figure out how to laugh more. And it turns out that it's not the, that the laughter actually ultimately is the byproduct of all of these other things of listening and showing up and paying attention and being present and letting go of a bad night and all of it. So it's actually all the chapters that uh, create the environment where laughter can live. Right. So just going, ha, Yes. That's not, <laughs> Although, you don't want to start Funny there. you should say that, yes. because laughter is contagious, oh. and you can laugh even when you don't feel like it. There's this, like, laughter yoga dude who's very popular. You just put on his video, and he laughs, and even when you don't want to, sitting in your office, pissed off, you will start to laugh, because he's such a jerk. He's like, but it's, like, so compelling. And so laughter is contagious. Right. And so releases is the, the what, oxytocin or yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. good it's things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Laughter's good. It's good. Yeah. Laughter's good. <laughs> 
<laughs> Danny Klein man. bought a set. Yes, um, good. Yes. So yeah. um, I'm I'm concerned that we're taking well, up too anybody, much time. Does anybody have any? I'm paying attention to timing, and I realize that yes. you probably have a and lovely dinner haters. to go to. Yep. And um, does anybody yes. have any questions, comments? Uh, yes. Oh, comics that inspired me. I wouldn't. I, I don't know that a comic inspired me to write this book. I'm a huge Chris Rock fan. I've always been because he holds such a mirror, or he used to anyway. I, mean, I don't know what he's doing the last couple of years, but um, in terms of stand up, but he just hold, you know holds a mirror up to the culture and uh, you know gets away with it, and I like that very much. And uh, I spent a lot of time with Janine Garofalo 20 years ago and she was another uh, influence and I talk about her in the book um, also because of her she's really smart and funny but not not frivolous and not talking about having sex and I, I'm sure Amy Schumer's really brilliant but like I, lately it's all about like why nobody's fucking her and I, I wish I, I can't wait for her to grow up like to, to get on to the next subject I think it's going to be awesome if she ever marries and has kids that'll be really really mm. fun yeah she's that's some funny right there yeah she's yeah. totally funny but yeah. I've seen it lately it's like I get it nobody wants to fuck you I get it but let's move on <laughs> and I still think she gets plenty of action so. yeah. yeah she said she uh, could catch a lot of them I think she said, she used a word that I, I won't say. Uh, yeah, she's great. Um, there was one other thing I, that I, you just reminded me of. Oh, I know what it was. It was, and we talked a little bit about this. Uh, sorry if I'm stepping on anyone's questions. But the whole, what's, what's interesting to me is that there's so many of these comedy roles that, to, that really totally beautifully apply to marriage. And yet... The life of a stand-up comic? Oh, yeah, right. Could not be more... Well... All right, uh, look, so that was another point, right, yes. that I think Jerry Seinfeld said about, you right. know, colla- comics not known for collaboration. <laughs> so, you know, that's where... Stand-up that, comics. Stand-up comics, Improvisers. right. Improvisers. are yes, and... The best right. <laughs> marriage partners, this, right. This is not a book about improvising. I mean, you do have to improvise, in fact, but I don't touch it because that's not my area. So um, this is really... Uh, that That is the, the fork in the road. And, I, that, and I guess I want wanted to ask you specifically because you were a stand-up comic and do you you know does your life do you ever miss that life as a stand-up comic that element is there is there any part of that where you yes okay wow yes of course being a one-man band and only answering to yourself yes uh but and and one of the things that i also discovered because it's not only entertainment people in this book i talk to people in all fields and you know our generation and uh, we're all taught to be so driven and focused and self you know the buck stops here and nobody's going to help you but you and so you have two people with this mindset coming together to be married and suddenly we're supposed to be a team like wait what I don't know anything about a team I just want to get ahead and so you know you have that that's a a, a challenge too is learning teamwork when you've been on your own and fighting for you know your kind of great successes or whatever you know because that's not winning isn't necessarily the game in being married at all yeah yeah so great god I'm so depressed don't be what you're writing great books it's super intense that's the thing like some Somebody said to me recently, yeah, my wife and I decided we're going to stay in it. We both said as long as it's still fun, we're not going to walk away. And it's like, oh my goodness, like when you're married 60 years, like it ain't ain't all fun. Well, it's not always fun. Right, but there's so much um, love and depth and uh, and joy, like real joy to share. And conscious commitment. And yeah, Yeah. we are in this together. We're going to do it. Yeah. 
such a conversation. It's like an ongoing conversation. And that's the thing, although you're it, behind the scenes as a comedian, your lifestyle is very sort of not um, collaborative. It's right. When you're on stage, it's very much a collaboration right. between you and the audience. And it's a conversation. Definitely. And you're, it sounds like you're saying, this is how you keep that conversation going. Yes. Totally. Is the response to the, what you're saying. It's yes. Like, and I even say that in one of the chapters I talk about. You're in a relationship with the audience. So back in, you know, and that's part of, I think it's in the listening chapter where I talk about, you know, you're, you're, o- you're only as good as being in the moment with the audience in, in good stand-up. Mm-hmm. You know, not stand-up where the building could fall down and they're going to keep doing their material. Right. And they're not paying attention. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Right. Is there something else you looked like no, you wanted I'm to say No, I'm just wondering if people... I have another uh, piece I can read, but if people are tired, totally go read it yourself. And that's fine. <laughs> yes. Am I getting the signal? Well, what time Am I getting is the it? light? Oh, we're getting the light. Okay. It, 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 but definitely, I'll tell you what. Read the chapter uh, in... Uh, well, you'll read all the chapters, I hope. But in relaxation, there's very funny uh, scene of me and Todd in a hotel. Uh, we are unable to relax together, and there's lots of evidence as to why that is. And I, it's a good laugh. That one's yeah. a good laugh. Yep. So, there you thank go. you very much. Thank you, Joanna Stein. Thank Bravo. you, everyone. Bravo. Yeah. And uh, Danny will be signing her book. Yes, I'm happy to sign. Make it out to anyone you want. Yep. Oh, you're saying I should read it. All right, read okay. it. All right. people have to go go, and yeah, then go. I'll read it. Here's our trip. Yeah. 17 years. Yeah. So we're going to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm happy to read it if people want to say, because some people came later, so. Read it. I'm going to sit. Read it. I'm so used to getting the light that I figured she was saying, wrap it up. All right, here we go. Okay, so this is in Find Ways to Relax. Okay, and I'll stand up. That's so funny. That's so me. I'm sure she was saying to wrap it up. Somebody give her the light. Um, okay. So maybe some new people will come. Okay, here we go. Before I met Todd, I never thought about the need for relaxation with a boyfriend. There was always time to relax after one of us left. But then I met Todd, and we both stayed. And then we started planning a future together, and I found out that even when I wasn't about to face a crowd, I could feel heart-racing anxiety. The thought of spending the rest of my life with one person was making me a nervous wreck. And I'd stopped drinking years before, so that wasn't an option. I had to find ways to relax. Counting my breaths for five minutes on the way to meeting Todd's father helped me, but as the wedding date approached and the stress around that piled up, taking some deep breaths by myself in a bathroom stall wasn't enough. When Todd and my mother were going head-to-head at an outdoor mall about the wedding invita- how the wedding invitation should read, I knew I had to bring in some bigger guns to calm myself. I had to make a commitment to relaxation in my marriage. Just as you cannot entertain a crowd when you're gripped with anxiety and tension, there's also no way a relationship can flourish when either one or both of you is in a state of constant tension. Building a life with someone, you are bound to experience stress caused, I dare say, by a lot more than what font to choose for your wedding invitation. In order to be happy, you have to create ways to relax so you can be more present, be more available to each other, and simply said, have a better time. Todd and I have known about the importance of relaxation from the very beginning of our marriage. We're just not good at it. 
In October of 2002, we were in Santa Barbara celebrating our second anniversary. We were at a low-end hotel whose name had the word Cliff in it, and probably something like Cliff's Edge, since the establishment featuring prison cell-like rooms and mildewed carpeting was located on a cliff jutting out over the ocean. This was why I booked the place. As a native New Yorker, hotels perched on top of the ocean still give me a thrill, even ones that look like they might rent out their rooms by the hour. Todd, however, being from Southern California, wasn't quite as excited when he opened the door to our room. Hit with a blast of chemically freshened air, trying hard to mask the odor of cigarette smoke, trapped in the faded yellow curtains, he quietly asked me, where did you find this place? <laughs> he gripped his bag in his hand, hoping he could turn around and leave as soon as I gave him the go-ahead. I was five months pregnant, so the place smelled even worse to me than to Todd, but I was willing to hold my nose for a few days for the chance to stare out the one large window framing a piece of dark blue ocean where the waves crested and broke. I've always been a sucker for moving water. I used to drag my father to the window of a jacuzzi store on First Avenue when I was in preschool just to stare at the swirling eddies and the bathtubs for sale. Todd, we can't leave. It's our anniversary. This place is gross, he said, dropping his bag with a thud. I guess, I said, my eyes transfixed by the ocean outside the window. Fine, I'm going to check out the pool. I hope there's nobody floating face down in it. Ten minutes later, still sitting in front of the glass, I heard his footsteps. There's a ping pong table, honey. Pong, he said, followed by what looked disturbingly like a fist pump. Todd is the former member of a fraternity. I married a frat boy. There, it's in print. I wasn't the sorority type. I did go to a few rush meetings my junior year, but mostly for the free cake and Diet Coke. And the last time I read this, I said, mostly for the free Coke and Diet Cake. <laughs> and that was funnier. Okay. <laughs> Todd, on the other hand, knew Greek life intimately. Fraternity life for him was a lot of drinking, chasing girls, and playing beer pong. During his fraternity years, Todd had honed his ping pong skills, and now the game would hopefully salvage our weekend. He could relax knowing we'd be a carefree, frolicking couple playing ping pong. He'd get to nurse a Coors while his pregnant wife sipped cranberry juice and soda. The two of us playing table tennis overlooking the Pacific Ocean. What could be more relaxing? Ten minutes later, I was standing at the ping pong table. Did you just slam that ball into my stomach? I snapped, trying to stay calm after my fetus had just been assaulted by a small white ball. <laughs> what are you talking about? That was nothing. Come on, let's play. Eight to seven, my serve. Since we'd all been together a little over three years, I hadn't yet seen the full extent of my supposedly California boy husband's competitiveness. Playing ping pong with him while carrying his baby would not have been my first choice for the best time to discover his killer instinct. You just slammed the ball at my stomach, I said, swerving my middle to the right to avoid being hit by the next ball. You do realize there's a baby in here, right? I'm done. I'm not playing with you, I said, laying my paddle down. What? Come on, don't be like that, he said, bending his knees and leaning into the table in proper pong position for the next serve. You're being ridiculous. I didn't slam the ball. That's how you play the game. I mean, are you playing or are you playing? <laughs> I started walking back to our hotel room, making it pretty clear I wasn't playing. Here's a little bonus advice for the men folk. Don't ever say you're being ridiculous to a woman bearing your child if you're interested in having sex again with her anytime soon. 
Ten years later, my chest still tightens thinking about that game of table tennis. I wasn't one of those happy pregnant women with my first child. I felt overtaken and out of control. I didn't plow through dozens of pregnancy books in joyful anticipation of this new life I was creating. I was very scared. It was truly unbelievable to me that all you do is have sex and eat and you make an entirely new human being. (laughs) I wondered a lot what I would do if my baby died. Being pregnant felt like the biggest setup ever to screw up in some permanent and unforeseeable way. So a ball, even one weighing less than three grams, careening at my stomach, possibly the baby's head, made me nuts. I was also not very good at managing my expectations. I couldn't believe Todd didn't A, know this was how I felt, and B, feel exactly the same way. Wasn't that the whole point of being married? To have someone who knows you well enough to read your thoughts and who feels exactly the same way you do about everything. Never mind that every woman's magazine I'd read had advice columns telling me not to expect this. I was convinced that my husband and my marriage were going to be different. I went back to the room, this time oblivious to the soothing ocean. I packed what little I had pulled out and lumbered to the parking lot. When I got there panting, I saw a film of sea salt and dust had already settled on our car. If I left in this car, Todd would be stuck in Santa Barbara three hours from our apartment. I couldn't do it. He was, after all, the father of my fetus. (laughs) I dragged my bag back to the room, spread myself out on the bed, and ate saltines until I passed out. When I woke up, Todd was getting out of the shower, wrapped in a seedy hotel robe, the moonlight reflecting on the water behind him. What can I say? I'm I'm a competitive guy, he said, (laughs) coming over and sitting next to me on the bed. And I'm kind of fantastic, he said. He added, smiling and wiggling his eyebrows. Come on, don't be mad at me. Let me rub your feet, he continued after a beat, grabbing one of my bloated hooves, which he somehow didn't find repulsive. I surrendered to the foot massage, took some deep breaths, thought about ordering room service, then remembered there was none, and sent him out to the nearest 7-Eleven for cottage cheese, green apples, and chocolate chip cookie dough. We did end up relaxing a little in the next 24 hours, but typical of us, not without a lot of kicking and screaming. Over the years, we figured out that relaxing together isn't one of our strengths, particularly when it involves sports, since it's always possible that one of us will unexpectedly turn into a competitive freak. So we have other ways. Sometimes we find a TV program we can both enjoy, one where no babies or children are held hostage so I can sit through it. But there's enough history or action or science fiction to keep Todd interested. For those one or two shows a year, we curl up on the couch together, fingers entwined, and enjoy at least 20 minutes of it before I fall asleep. We mostly relax on our own with yoga, running, or reading the paper. Some nights we read in bed side by side, which is good for us. It's not competitive, and there's no threat of anyone being hit in the head with a ball. Unlike us, most couples I interviewed for this book enjoy relaxing together. The most common ways to do so are watching TV, going to a movie, or eating a meal together. All good ideas, and although these activities don't exactly adhere to the happiness expert's advice for finding variety to keep your marriage happy, I think when relaxation is the goal, routine is actually okay. I see no need to look for excitement in your relaxation. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that relaxing activities should be relaxing. 
But when I pressed couples to go beyond the obvious in describing what they do to relax, I was able to learn some other very good ways you can blow off steam and bond with your spouse at the same time. Yay! You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.